Welcome everybody to the Divorce Etc. podcast. We have our friend Lori here with us from Simply Be Organized. She has been in conversation with us over the months and even maybe a year, I'm afraid to say, but she is fabulous. And don't be scared by Simply Be Organized because she makes it super simple. You can do this, people. So welcome to our show. Welcome, Lori. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here because you know that you two are like some of my favorite people. Thank you. We're so excited to have you because we talk all the time about the idea that, you know, when you're getting divorced, I mean, that's the perfect time to try to literally like declutter your life. It's not just about moving out. It's about like really figuring out how you see yourself moving forward and what goes along with that. And so we're very excited to dive into this conversation today. Oh my gosh. And I know from personal experience that I don't look forward to declutter. Because you're a sentimental stockpiler. We talked about this on my show. We talked about this on my show. And I'm perfectly fine with that, by the way, everybody. Because when I went through and it became time to declutter, I was like, oh, okay, I can throw it out. Oh, all right, I'll throw it out. But I had my awe moment and then I was okay. It, it just took a few years. So it's, it's a process, people. It's a process. Yes. So in, I'm literally going to take Lori's words right now. Instead of focusing on the tactical side of organizing, um, we want to talk about the strategy behind it. Like, how can someone come at this who's a sentimental stockpiler who doesn't necessarily <laughs> enjoy throwing things out that pull on your heartstrings? Um, so let's talk about the strategy behind it. You have like a process. Yeah. So just to kind of give like a real cliff notes overview. So I I started my business like 150 years ago. It feels like right. It was it was 2009. You look great. There was yeah right. Thanks. Uh, there was no there was no Marie Kondo. There was no home edit. Like it wasn't. There wasn't even an Instagram when I started my business. Like I tell people that, and people are like, "Wait, what?" There was no Instagram. There's no Pinterest. And you know, I just liked organizing, and I just stumbled into this. And so I'd always been fascinated with people right? And like what motivates people to do things. I was an executive recruiter in my past life. And so I find now like kind of in looking back, seeing all the breadcrumbs that like all kind of led to where I am now. But at the time, it was just something that I wanted to help people that I felt were stressed and overwhelmed. And at that particular time, I was in a season with two small kids and a husband who traveled a ton. So unlike you guys. So I wasn't divorced, but I was like a single mom with a paycheck is what I always say, because my husband was never there. He was a good guy, but he was never around. And so I was carrying not just the physical stuff, but the mental load of all the things that had to get done with the kids, with maintaining the house. Um, I was working, then I took some time off to be a stay-at-home mom, and then I went back to work. So like all of this thing, so even though I wasn't a single mom, technically I wasn't divorced, I was uh, assuming a lot of those roles and I just had to develop a lot of strategies for survival. It wasn't about, God, I'm sorry, Jess. No, so it's, so that's an interesting thing for everyone listening. Like you actually have sort of lived what a lot of us go through, having a million plates spinning in the air and having to figure out 
how to really just manage everything. Yeah. The organization of your life. Yes. And that was kind of the, I, I didn't realize that my life was a dress rehearsal for what would be my business. And I just felt for myself that I had to have some like, routines, guidelines that I could do so that I would be able to get done the things that needed to get done. Because if I didn't have a plan, like it just, like everything would go crazy. Right. So the byproduct was some of the products that I would bring into my house, the organizing products and bins and baskets, but it was really less about the stuff. And so when I started my business, I had a big emphasis on where are your pain points and how can we address them as opposed to let me come in here and find the best bin for your kids' toys. Right, like that right. wasn't the starting point. That was always just the byproduct. And so over the years, it's kind of evolved into like more of an actual process. And I've been able to articulate it. And I talk about it in my book and in the teaching and stuff that I do. But in a nutshell, what I the first thing that I try to do, and I think this is so important, especially for single parents, is understanding where do you feel the most overwhelmed? And people think, oh, I don't struggle with clutter because they don't have piles of paper. Maybe you do, but there's different types of clutter. And so I talk about three main types, and that's kind of usually what where my starting point is. Okay. And I talk about what I physical clutter, which is the stuff that you see, right? Everyone knows what physical clutter is toys, dishes, laundry, the whole nine. Then we have emotional clutter, which is TH with her sentimental stockpiling and emotional clutter usually stems from guilt or fear, right? We either feel guilty. Somebody gave this to me. I feel guilty. My, my kid made this or it cost so much money. I was going to say, or guilt that it cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I, even though these shoes kill my feet or I'm probably not fitting into these jeans anymore, they cost a fortune. And so I don't want to get rid of them or fear the fear of either. What if I need it? and I don't have it yet or fear that, um, fear that you are going to be making a mistake. And well, so you always of- hear those stories. Someone's like, I had this in a pile for three years. I threw it out last week and now today I need it. Like, <laughs> right. well, but well, my, honestly, my fear was that I would forget. I think that oh. I was like in such a robotic relationship with my husband that I really wasn't taking anything in. I, I was just going through my days. So if I didn't keep it, I, I run the risk that I would never remember that it happened. Except like, you're keeping it and storing it and you're not looking at it anyway. Well, I took this out of storage for anybody who can't see. My son must oh my be God. Like seven. I love And that. he got a bullseye at camp. And I found that because I kept it. And so there were, there were definitely a few a choice few things. things that I ended up bringing out. But I probably would have forgotten that that ever happened. Right if I hadn't kept it. So I think the fear that you're going to forget is definitely, that was my thing. Part of it. Okay. Fair. Right. And again, I, you know, without getting super again in the weeds with the tactical stuff, I believe there is a place for keepsakes. There is a place for memorabilia a hundred percent. And I've got, you know, 
different schools of thought and strategies. And my kids have bins and certain things, but it's about doing it with intention, right? And holding on to things for the right reasons and not holding on to everything. Because when you hold on to everything, it dilutes it. And so you want to be able to easily find, because I always talk about the whole purpose of organizing for me is the ease of retrieval. How quickly can I get something when I need it? It's less about the act of putting it away. It's how quickly can I get it? And if that's an interesting way, but that's an interesting thing to think about. Cause I think so many of us come from a place of like, everything needs to have its, have its home. Everything needs to live somewhere. And I don't ever really like just put it in that folder, in that filing drawer, whatever. But then you're right. It's like, then you need it. And you're like, you spend an hour to looking through all the papers in that folder, in that filing drawer. And you can't even find what it is that you're looking for. Yeah. And, and that, you could feel free to like reuse this because I say it all the time. We always think about the ease of retrieval. How quickly can I get this? And that can apply to anything. It could apply to clothes. It could apply to your spices. It could apply to papers. Okay. But again, when you're like, yes, I do believe things need a home, but what's going to make the most sense, right? What is it? And how, where am I going to find it? And you want to be able to find that. And if it was surrounded by, you know, a thousand other mindless scraps of paper, it would have been really hard for you. So I love that you saved it. And I think that's, you know, I would have saved it too. I think that's awesome, but it's about doing it with intention. And so I love it. Um, And then the third type of clutter, and this is the one that I really want to just kind of resonate on a little bit because I think it doesn't get enough credit. And it's something that's so relevant for most people, but especially people of divorce is what I call calendar clutter. And it's being overscheduled and overwhelmed and either, you know, not using your time wisely or just having so much on your plate where you basically have more things to do than time to do yeah. them. Jessica, she's talking to you. Yeah. I mean, for sure. There's yes. no question that I'm overscheduled. There's no, que- I'm like, you know, working a million jobs, trying to, you know, make everything fit in and, uh, and it's challenging for sure. I mean, I feel like I learned a few years ago to create a calendar that's color coded based on like what goes around it. So I, I enjoy looking at my calendar and I'm very good about calendaring out into the future. And by the way, if it's not in my calendar, it's not going to happen. If for some reason a momentary lapse happens and I don't put it into my calendar, then that come that day, that person could call that appointment, whatever it is, never going to happen. I think that you're right. I feel like the calendar clutter almost feeds into the emotional part of it because it so adds to the overwhelm. Oh my God, look at all of the shit that I have to do today, this week, by this date, et cetera. It's like, it can be paralyzing. I I also think that in what comes to mind for me, I definitely book and like to be organized, but this takes me back to dating apps and online dating I booked like two and three dates in a day. Oh. I, I like surrounded myself with busy so that I felt busy, but I was hundred percent not productive. I was going out with guys who were completely irrelevant to me just so that I would have things on the calendar to do. I'd have like a purpose in my day. And so I was filling the calendar also with like Bullshit. stupidity, right. you know, like really just, so this, like when you're, when you're 
doing online dating. That's a job unto itself. First of all, to identify. Yeah, I don't going envy that. With. I don't envy that. I miss, <laughs> and then the I whole calendar whole organizing, New York City, Upper West Side, New Jersey, Connecticut, like, yeah, that's a whole separate, that's a whole separate calendar. So it's emotionally exhausting that, though, the calendar clutter. It, it is. And it can be overwhelming, but I feel like for me at certain times, it was almost comforting to see my calendar full. Like if you, depending on where you are emotionally, you might be like, look at, look at all I got going on. Even though it's false in terms of what it's actually doing for you. It's giving you a false sense of whatever security and being productive and stuff, but having stuff on your calendar for someone who doesn't have something going on right then is, is not great, but I understand it. No, absolutely. And I think you, you hit on a couple things. First of all, Jess, as you said, you know, the calendar leads into the emotional, they all are intertwined. And like when I, in my book, I have like a model with three concentric circles because they do feed into each other. If you are constantly on the go, it's natural that physical clutters, you know, things are going to pile up because you're constantly on the go. If you are, you know, maybe you're, overcompensating. And especially again, I'm not, I'm not somebody who's personally divorced, but I can only suspect that depending on your situation, you may feel the need to overcompensate. And so you're doing up going above and beyond either that because of habit or guilt to do things for your kids or this, that, and the other that you have to like overcompensate for your, you know, lousy ex or whatever. And so you're, you're adding unnecessary onto your onto your calendar, which is just burdening you and slowing you down. And so clutter, you know, I call it the other C word, like clutter is the other C word. <laughs> and it's just, I, and you can edit that out if you're not allowed to say that, but it is, um, you know, it, it is becomes our dirty little secret and, right. we, and no matter what it looks like. And that, so I men think or I'm, women, these are the same kinds of well, clutter that anybody deals with. And, and that's, the, and that's the thing is it clutter doesn't discriminate. Right. And the organizing strategies are more going to be specific to the type of personality that you are, to the season of life that you're in, as opposed to gender. That makes perfect sense. Gender neutral problems. Okay. So now, once you are able to, like, is it, is the process about, like, okay, these are the three main types of clutter, and I'm going to tackle this category first? Is it trying to figure out which of those categories is your most challenging? Like what's your strategy from there? We all have all of those kinds of clutter. Right. No, I think that's a great question. So what I, you know, most people, when I talk about the three types, they immediately, just like you guys did, you immediately were like, that's my dominant type. So there, we all can, it's not linear, right? So we all can have a little bit of each one of them, but we know I'm somebody that struggles with calendar clutter, or I know emotional clutter, or I know I'm a shopper. So my intake is always coming, right? There's certain people that can resonate with one over the other. And so for me, as I'm working with somebody, because it's not a one size fits all, all approach, even though there's certain like tactical steps that I take, just the mindset of knowing, I think just having that self-awareness of knowing, okay, I know this. It allows me to have a little bit of grace, right? It's not an excuse, okay. but it gives you context mm-hmm. so that you can have a little bit of grace. I know that these are my pitfalls. Like I know that this is where I know I'm going to need a little extra time. So for somebody like TH, 
where I know that you struggle with emotional clutter. When it comes to the process, whether I'm if I'm sitting there working with you or you're having an outside person, you're going to hopefully want somebody that is going to give you some extra runway because you may have to go down memory lane and you may need to give pay homage to what was versus working with someone like Jess, who's going to be way more you She's know, be like ruthless. throw it all out. You know, and and I'll throw these, it all out, but my calendar will be like, yeah. Oh my right. god! So so having that is is to me that really important because whether you're doing this by yourself and just you can say I I need I know that this is my pitfall and have that like kind of knee jerk where I'm I'm catching myself in that loop I'm catching myself in that mental loop or if you're going if physical closure thing and you're like knowing okay am I going to buy this because I'm bored, because I feel the need, you know, like, what's my reason? You can start to like have these narratives with yourself to kind of pump the brakes, so to speak. Um, So I think it's just important to have that self-awareness. And also it removes a lot of the frustration because sometimes people get frustrated. Why is it so easy for somebody? Or why can't I do this? Or why is it as opposed to just going, well, just just only do that, like, just get rid of it. And you're sitting there going, but I can't. And then you start to think like, what's wrong with me? Or I have to hide this, or there's all of these things. And I can only suspect, and I've worked with people who have been going through divorce and I've worked with people like kind of post-divorce and it's a new chapter of your life. And for some people, depending on their situation, you guys, I know you've talked about this. You talked about it on my show. I'm sure you've talked about it with your audience. You're situations were very different. And for one of you, it was very liberating. Like, this is my new chapter. I'm doing this. And for another one, it's, it's mourning the loss. And so the process is going to look different based on your kind of the situations that you have. And then you kind of can add in continual layers of, okay, now I have stuff for my kids and I need, they need double of this because they have this at my house and this at my ex's house. So there's all of these like external things, but I think it's important for people. So it's easy for it to become overwhelming very quickly. So how do you even start? Right. So where do we go from here? You identify the three types. I'm here. I'm ready to like organize my life. What are my first steps in making this happen? Step one is you're going to say what area of my life is the biggest pain point right now. What is that? And it could be a physical space or it could be, and and most of the people that will come to me, it's, it's the physical space is kind of what brought them there, right? And it could be my closet, my morning routine, this, that, the other. So you're gonna figure out what place is my biggest pain point? Where Where do I feel like I need my biggest bang for my buck? Because most people are like my whole house or this whole area. Um, So I will say that when you're getting a divorce or if you're just moving, like I didn't have to confront the physical space because I had a really big basement. I actually stored other people's stuff there, including dining room tables. And I never saw any of it until I had to move. Right. So if you you keep it and my house looked like perfectly clean and organized because all the shit was in a room that no one's ever walking in unless I add more shit to the room. So that's also why I think during, you know, in a divorce, when you have to make a change, or if you're just moving, that's when you have to confront all the stuff in the closet or in the room or in the basement Yeah, that, that you never had to look at. Now you got to take a look. 
And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because if people are going to be in a situation where they're going to be moving, so you have a lot of change and changes is, is, can be good and liberating, but it's also hard and there's a lot of emotion. So assuming, so the the strategy is gonna depend on kind of where you are, but but if you're addressing your, your biggest pain point, I think you need to pick a space, right? Because it's like we said, there's all of these moving parts and that is overwhelming. So you need to say, I'm gonna focus on this and accomplish this small win wherever it is. And that will allow you to A, maybe build that muscle that you're, if this isn't something that you intuitively are used to doing mm -hmm. and it will keep you kind of focused so that you could say, I can do this. Like I can do this because you feel empowered where a lot of people run, you know, they'll start here and then they'll move there and they'll start here. And then That's you, me. and then you wind up being what you said teach, which is beautiful. And I talk a lot about this is differentiating the busy from the productive. And so you're going to be saying, okay, what do I need to do right now? Like what is important for me right now? What is going to be the, the, the important thing for me to do? And so the process, the tactical process is I have the, a four pile method um, where I, I do empty, I empty the space that I'm going to be doing. And then I sort into four piles, your keep pile, which is kind of like what you're keeping in that space. Um, and if you are going to be moving in this place, in this situation, you would maybe be putting it into a bin. If you're going to be moving, I'm keeping this, then you have your relocate pile, which is okay. I, want this, but it's not going to live in the kitchen. It's got to live in another room or this is going into memory, right? It doesn't need to live in the kitchen drawer. It's going into a keepsake. So relocate's really important. And then the other two are great because they're leaving the space. They're either the donate pile, which is like, I'm getting rid of this. I'm moving, I'm downsizing. I'm moving to an apartment or a smaller house. I don't have as much space. I'm getting rid of it. I'm donating it to either a charity, a friend, whatever, getting rid of it, or the recycle, which is, right. it's going right in the trash. When it comes to your relationship after divorce, do you always think it's your partner or ex's fault? It isn't, although it often can be. What role do you play and how can you unhook to do better for you in your divorce or co-parenting relationship? Cherry Morris is a lawyer and now a full-time divorce coach. She has a unique niche in this field because she works with couples as well as individuals to help them decide about divorce, reduce conflict during it, and do better post-divorce to de-escalate conflict and take care of themselves. She can facilitate difficult discussions to improve how to decide to move forward, and her transformative model of mediation coaching will change how you view your interactions and yourself. To learn more, check out Sherry's website, www.deardivorcecoach.com. Sherry also has an awesome co-parenting course and guide to co-parenting with your ex called Co-Parenting, What It Is and How We Do It. Click the store on her website and use the code XEXPERTS for a discount. If you're enjoying our Divorce Etc. podcast, be sure and subscribe to our newsletter to get XEXPERTS in your inbox. It's free and includes tips from real life experts who've been through it, telling you what they wish they knew. You'll also hear about our upcoming episodes and Q and A's with our experts. Plus you'll find out about our upcoming events before anyone else and get access to discounts and preferred pricing. 
You can sign up at www.exexperts.com. So though that part, I feel like we, we like have right. spoken about, yeah. you know, the, like putting the things into piles, but tell us a little bit about, um, the roadblocks, the recurring roadblocks yes. that you say stand in people's way, because I feel like when you're going through a divorce or you've gotten divorced and now is the time that you're dealing with, you know, moving spaces or deciding like, I'm going to really, you know, personalize this space now and make it different and, and you make it like what I want it to be. I think that, that the emotional totally. side of it, whatever those roadblocks are, are, are a huge challenge for people. So can 100%. you talk us through that? Absolutely. So I talk about five main clutter pitfalls that people fall into. And they are, again, not immune based on the type of clutter you struggle with. They're not immune by gender or age. They do not discriminate. So the five clutter pitfalls that people fall into are either procrastination, yep, which is the, I'll just get to it later, right? I'll yes. get to it later. I, I won't deal with this. And even you stuck sticking this up in the basement is a form of procrastination, you know? So it's just not dealing with it in the present. Then the second clutter pitfall is indecision, which is, and this is the, emo a lot of comes from the fear, which is, I don't know what to do. So I'm just not going to do anything. And we see this from people. And again, especially if you've, if you've been through any level of trauma and you're going to be doubting yourself. Who knows like what your relationship was like if you were, spent the past 10 years being gaslit by somebody, you know, you're going to doubt yourself. And so indecision is really a big thing. Right. Um, and then you have guilt, which again, sure. we talked about and guilt can come in many shapes and sizes for many reasons, but guilt is a roadblock that holds us back. And then the overwhelm, which is, this is just such a big mountain I don't even know where to start again. That's so many people, so many people. And again, that whether you're divorced or married, like, again, these, these clutter pitfalls are for anybody, but I feel like if you're going through a divorce, you've been through a divorce they they have to be magnified because sure. there's all of these other things that are happening. So overwhelm. And then, and again, that's why it's so important when you do go tactical, that you do make it manageable for you. And then the fifth one, which again, we talked about is time. How are we using our time? Do we, are we carving time to do the work? Because at the end of the day, you either, in order for this process to get done of decluttering and organizing, either you're doing it or you're paying someone to do it. You know, you're, if you're, unless, right. and so if you're outsourcing it to somebody else, that's great. But if not, we have to carve out the time, just like you would do for going to the gym and exercising or doing whatever you're going to do. You have to carve out the time to do it. And I find that a lot of people talk about it, read about it, listen to podcasts about it, get all, gather all of this information about it but the execution of actually doing it just doesn't happen. Yep. And um, I think I just, that's for anything though. I can relate. 100%. Like, we talk about a lot of things and then we're not getting it done. And then we have to create like sh literally like to-do lists so that we're accountable for it. Like, well, now it's on paper and you got to check it off and it's written down and it's like out in the world, it's out of your head 
Now you got to like implement it. You have to you implement do it. it. You got to just do it. What's the worst that's going to happen? You know, but how do you bypass those roadblocks? Is it just acknowledging them? I think first of all, acknowledging it is fun. I think we have to normalize it. First of all, I think we have to normalize these things that like I'm in a season of my life and I don't need to be superwoman. I don't need to be or superman. Like I don't, I don't need to be like, that's it's, I would say like, you, you don't get any awards for that for what, like who cares? Um, asking for help is okay. You know, um, getting takeout for your kids is okay. Like all of these little things, carving out time saying, I'm going to, you know, do spend 15 minutes to just recoup or plan my calendar for the next day or whatever it looks like. We have to just normalize this, that this is healthy. And especially if you are a parent with small kids, modeling this behavior is really important because we don't want to set our kids up to fail. And I think we, especially as, as women, as moms, I'm speaking for myself. I wanted to be like, yes, I could do this. Yes, I could do that. And then all of a sudden now my kids think that that's what you have to do. So yeah. I think and it's also important. just as far as modeling with like organizing also when you're moving, I gave my kids each one big bin that they could see in so they could see the stuff they're keeping but like I had kept like one baby outfit. I kept their baby book. I kept like some choice things. So that whole TH kept thing has to fit into their <laughs> container, whether they want it or not. And then they add to it. And honestly, they definitely had like one or two extra ones. Like well, you, it was not you, realistic for them at that point to remove all of it. But I did give them containers. So we had like some physical boundary, even though we got two more of them. Well, I, and I, that, and that was exactly the word I was going to use. And I think is, the key word is boundaries mm. and it's about whether it's physical boundaries where you're saying you can only have as much stuff that fits in this bin or boundaries with your time, you know, where is, what are the boundaries? You know, I was talking to somebody on my show a couple of weeks ago and they said, when you write on a piece of paper, because I always talk about margin, margin, margin. Again, you think about a paper, you don't write cor- like from every corner. There's PH white does. space. <laughs> wow. My gosh. Okay, so but most on. normal Again, people might not. You're all going to have to watch this on YouTube Okay, now. I was going to say. Look, this is how I take my notes. And then I draw squares around. And by the, the way, stuff. that's not even. Then I have to go back to, and <gasps> then I cross it all off. So I know that it's, where it belongs, but I definitely have a monkey brain. So yeah, that's, that's my organized chaos. I think the another important point to bring up is people are inclined to change when something's a pain point for them. Right. And I'm sure that, I mean, divorce is probably a prime example of that, unless it was something that, you know, you weren't a willing participant in, but it's not for me to come in here and fix somebody. Like, I think you need to be fixed. Like for me to come in and say, oh, no, 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 TH, you're doing that wrong. You should do it this way. And anybody that tries to tell you that, like, they're not the right person because right. it's really important for anybody. Like it's a very, your stuff is personal, even though not everything has to have that level of importance and how we navigate stuff and having healthy relationships with our stuff and our time 
is really as important as having healthy relationships with other people. And so understanding like, okay, this is it. Where is this causing you a pain point? Where is it? And, and like you said, with your analogy, with moving stuff to the basement in that initial season, that was a solution for you long-term. Did that work? No, but it it was was fine. Way more overwhelming in the end to look at 15 years, right? 20 years of stuff was a lot harder to deal with. It probably made it easier to get rid of stuff though, to be honest with you, because I was like, there's too much here. Like even me, I did, I did like a tag sale and the amount of stuff that was sold. I was like, when it was all laid out, I'm like, I think I need to leave. Cause I, I like definitely have a problem. He's like, I'm really a hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I feel like yeah. hoarding is different in my mind. So I'm not going to identify that way. Okay. But also if you saw some video, Jessica has like one picture behind her head and a nice <laughs> little picture frame. I have a bulletin board with stuff spread around. And this is clearly like the difference. Like that's comforting to me and that's comforting to her. Right. Um, I want to ask you another question because yeah. when I was going through the massive amounts of pictures, because for everybody who's younger, um, you know, we took photographs and created photo albums. And so I had many photographs of my ex-husband's family that mm-hmm. I didn't want, but I thought he might want. And so if you're the person moving out, and I'm not saying it's always a man moving out, it could be a woman moving out, mm-hmm. but like you don't necessarily get the opportunity to go through that stuff. And so when you're helping different people organize, are you also helping people who are moving out of the house and like starting new and how to like recoup your stuff, not just your clothing and your toiletries, but like your stuff, someone else might be determining what you need. Like I gave him what I thought he should have. And then I felt good about it. Yeah. I loved those people. Right. And then I, I, then I wash my hands of it because now it's his. So how do you like, yeah. And I think this is a, I think this is a, I love this question because it can be answered in so many, like it can encompass so many different scenarios, not even just divorce, just even regular everyday teaching people healthy ways to declutter without guilt. I think when you're deciding what you're keeping and what you're getting rid of, both should be done with a level of intention. And so if you are somebody that is saying, I am moving, it's not just I like it is, do I need this in the next place, right? So if you are the one that's leaving and you're packing up, trying to pack up the stuff with intention is important. If you are getting rid of stuff, right? So it's, where is it going? And that comes down again, more to the the tactical side of things of knowing like who can I give this to that it's going to serve well and in your case these photos were something that you wanted to give to your ex or give back to your ex or whether you wanted to pass them to your kids or if this is something and this goes for toys this goes for clothes so people listening out there that might I mean pictures are great and pictures are are a huge roadblock because there's so much emotion right. and so much that's tied to it it's it's a combination of physical clutter for um we're all in the same kind of the same category with having lots of photo albums but it's not just physical clutter but it's that emotional clutter because it's it, it's taking you back and it's it's representing the people in that season of your life 
So I think intentionality is really the key um, and not just doing things in the heat of the moment, um, which, and, and reactionary. Don't burn the photographs. <laughs> Think yeah, about really it shame. before you burn it. <laughs> but it was interesting. Like I, you know, having been divorced twice in terms of photographs. So I have two wedding albums. I had two wedding albums. Mm-hmm. My first wedding album, I chose to keep. I mean, first of all, we have a very amicable relationship, but I also felt like there's going to come a point where my kids are going to love looking at those pictures. Sure. And then my second wedding album, we don't have kids together. Neither of us wanted it. Right. So I was kind so of like, do I keep Darren it? if he wanted the photo album or he just knew that you were keeping it for the kids? Uh, I don't think I, 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 I feel like we may have talked about it at some point, but I think he was fine with me keeping it. And, and that was, and that was fine with him. I feel like with, with the second one, I did ask him if he wanted it and he had said no. And I kind of thought to myself, well, look, it was still an important part of my life, those X number of years. And like, do I keep it out of posterity? I'm not a sentimental stockpiler, but like, I certainly am not a a person. I know there are people that get divorced and go through different processes of decluttering every aspect of their lives and really want to erase the memories completely of the time that they had with whoever that was. And that's just not who I am. Mm -hmm. So even though on the one hand, there kind of really isn't necessarily a point to keeping that wedding album. There was a part of me that was like, but do I keep it? Because that was a significant period in my life. And I don't want to be the person who's trying to erase it. Ultimately, I decided to get rid of it. It was a very large, very heavy photo album. And I felt like, look, I have other pictures. I don't need to keep that specifically. And so I didn't. Yeah, I was, and and you just answered the question because I was going to ask, like, what ultimately gave you the catalyst to say, I I feel I'm at peace with getting rid of this because it doesn't seem like again you got rid of it in in a in a moment of of haste or hatred or like I think the catalyst was like, look, we live in an in a virtual society now. There are plenty of pictures that I have from my wedding on my phone in, you know, on the computer, on social media. I'm also not a person and and I know we don't, we're running out of time, but like I I think that there are also people who as part of the decluttering their lives process will start going through their social media accounts and like deleting everything mm. in the past. And I have not done that. I have photos, if you were to like scroll back and back and back and back and back, you know, eight, 10 years on my Instagram, like there are photos of prior relationships and there are are pictures uh, that are from other important times in my life. And I know I have that still, in there and so i felt like with the wedding album specifically i didn't need that um like physical manifestation and and keep that and then also sth and and anyone who listens knows i also move all the time and so that just wasn't something that i needed to drag around with me sure Um, but not because i was trying to delete it or erase it from my mind or my life i just didn't need that specific piece No, I love it. And I love the thought process that you went through. And again, it comes back to, I know we, I think in life, we all to some degree want a quick fix. What's the best way? What's the quick pill? What's the best diet? What's the best, you know, 
what lipstick should I use? It's going to stay, you know, whatever it is, we want these fixes. And it's the same with organization and decluttering. What's the best way to do this? And I hate being like, wah, wah, but it's, it is very personal depending on uh, your situation, your season of life, the space that you have. You know, if you're somebody that has the luxury of saying, I'm really riddled with indecision and or, or overwhelm and you say, okay, I'm going, I don't have to force my hand because I have a basement or an attic, I can mm-hmm. shove it in. Right. Where somebody that doesn't have the luxury of space, you're going to have to make, you know, a, a decision quicker. So I think really understanding who you are as a person, what your personality type are, you know, where you struggle with clutter. Um, and then knowing kind of where, which of your clutter pitfalls you resonate with yep. is really important because just knowing that will give you permission to either pause when you need to, or say, okay, I have to take action. I feel like I could probably check them all. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, at different times. I'm like queen of procrastination, indecision sometimes, maybe not so much guilt. I don't feel guilty about getting rid of stuff. Like I said, and maybe it is just a form of guilt, just not wanting to forget. So maybe that is guilt. I really was afraid that like my memory of these wonderful things was going to be gone. It was more fear. It was more yeah. that yeah, fear I than guilt. Fear, yeah. Um, overwhelm and actually time. I could always make time. I'll stay up all night. I, I, I'll figure it out. But yeah, four of the five, I'm definitely a candidate for. I think that's probably for most people. But I hope yeah. that, I mean, these are great tips and great information. And I hope that it really resonated with everybody listening as much as it did with us. It's a conversation that TH and I have had multiple times because in the last year we've both moved. I've moved more than once, but um, it, it is a challenging issue for anybody who's going through it. So thank you so much for your insight and your expertise. This is a conversation that's going to have to definitely be ongoing. Yes, and reach sure. out to Lori and honestly, reach out to your friends. Like I had a friend come because I had my grandmother's and great grandmother's crystal glasses. So my first point was anything that's not valuable is going away. And I did that and I brought it to a place where I could donate it. And the money they raised went to a charity of my choice. Nice. So I liked that it was for good, like what you had said before, but like, you know, be kind to yourself. But I had a friend who helped me go through it. So even if that person's not saying anything, you got like another person in the room to validate, you know, the good and bad. So whether you reach out to Lori or you reach out to a friend, you know, buy Lori's book, but definitely... Mm come back and listen to this podcast again because there are a lot of really good directional tips yep. to help you figure out what works for you. Thank you, Lori. We'll talk Thanks, to you again guys. soon. For everyone out there listening, if you know anyone at all who would benefit from what we've talked about today, please share this episode and everything X-Experts. Be sure and click to subscribe, rate, and review our Divorce Etc. podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please follow us on social media at X-Experts on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. You can also find so much more, including articles and even the podcast transcripts on our website at www.exexperts.com. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter now. When you get X-Experts in your inbox, you're the first to hear about all of our happenings at events, plus access special discounts and prices. Thanks for listening.